Good evening. It is 5 p.m. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and you're listening to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM, based in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC's news programming is brought to you by the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What a Lie Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. In the next half hour, we will be discussing notable agenda items for tonight's Kingston City Council meeting, as well as the upcoming fundraiser in support of maintaining the Skeleton Park Press, featuring an interview with Skeleton Park Arts Fest director Greg Tilson. To start us off, tonight at their regularly scheduled second meeting of the month, Kingston City Council will be considering a new community standards bylaw. This new community standards bylaw was recommended at the last Administrative Policies Committee meeting earlier this month. Moving forward with the support of all five city council members who serve on the committee to be presented to council at tonight's meeting. The community standards bylaw concerns various behaviors related to the safe use of public spaces, with the intent of the bylaw being to, quote, promote a healthy, safe, and vibrant community for all residents and visitors in the city of Kingston by regulating and prohibiting activities or conditions that interfere with the public's right to use and enjoy public spaces. that negatively impact the safety, comfort, or well-being of the community. The bylaw includes measures surrounding all sorts of activities related to the use of public spaces, including noise, feeding wildlife, loitering, vehicle idling, odors, and damage to city property. While extending beyond the downtown core, the bylaw is especially targeting the noted increase in these behaviors and the increasing feelings of public fear and unsafety in the downtown core. Our city is in the middle of a crisis that is having a disproportionate effect on our downtown businesses and neighborhoods. We don't believe that there is any compelling vision of Kingston that does not incorporate a vibrant, safe and prosperous downtown core as well as safe and walkable historic neighborhoods that border the downtown. As you'll be hearing this evening, this vision is far from the reality of the lived experience today in downtown Kingston. In fact, we have heard from many local business owners that the downtown area is anything but safe. We've heard stories of theft, harassment, and physical threats to staff and customers, public defecation, drug use, and other activities that will be outlined for you at this special committee meeting by others who have first-hand experience. At a recent meeting hosted by the DBIA, we also heard descriptions of the downtown as a place where anything goes and where either the police have given up responding because they feel their efforts are so futile, or business owners and community members have given up even reporting the misbehaviors because they believe no one will respond. However, community organizations, including the Kingston Encampment Support Network, have called out to City Council to turn down the bylaw tonight, calling the measures suggested ineffective and discriminatory. Sophie LaChapelle with the Kingston Encampment Support Network stated the following at the original Administrative Policies meeting discussing the bylaw. Who counts as the public? Whose health, safety, accessibility, and enjoyment are we actually privileging in this bylaw? For example, the report submitted to this committee for tonight's meeting states on page 10 that residents and visitors have reported needing, quote, to alter their behavior out of fear and anxiety, including avoiding certain areas or moving out of the downtown, unquote. And while I do not question these very real feelings, I ask how what residents and visitors report here is any different than what this bylaw would force upon people experiencing visible poverty in Kingston to alter their behavior out of fear and anxiety of being punished, criminalized, or discriminated against, including being forced to avoid or move out of public spaces downtown. I ask again, whose health, safety, accessibility, and enjoyment are we actually privileging with this bylaw? This is not a rhetorical question. 
How can we justify these actions as measures to increase public safety when there is no evidence to suggest that they are economically, socially, or morally defensible? Again, not rhetorical. How can we justify these actions as measures to increase public safety when there is ample evidence, including from the most recent report by the federal housing advocate, that they actually decrease the already poor quality of life of society's most marginalized groups and entrench their poverty? Again, not rhetorical. If the city implements this bylaw, it cannot continue to hide behind the narrative that such policies increase public safety. While there are valid concerns about the safety and well-being of people, both housed and unhoused in Kingston, there is no evidence that this so-called community standards bylaw and the supposed municipal best practices it has incorporated will address these concerns in any way other than an ostensible superficial one. The residents and visitors of Kingston deserve evidence-based solutions and research-validated methods to address their concerns, but this bylaw isn't one of them. Thank you. Poverty and these these problems aren't going to be fixed. Uh, behaviors that that come from these structural these structural problems aren't going to be deterred by punitive measures. They will only be improved by equitable, trauma-informed, harm reduction programs. Um, because you're, with, with things like these, with bylaws like these, you're only ever going to be dealing with the symptom, never with the cause. And so if this, if we're gonna pour resources, a, a substantial amount of resources, public resources into an initiative, why not do the research to make sure that it's going to work? Um, because bylaws like this have existed in Canada for almost as long as Canada has existed, uh, neo-vagrancy bylaws, um, and they, they don't work. <laughs> we have lots of evidence to, to show that they don't work. With the meeting approaching this evening, the Kingston Encampment Support Network sent out a release which stated that this bylaw will, quote, inherently target people who experience visible poverty, many of whom are unhoused, experience mental illnesses, are living with disabilities, have experienced trauma, and or use substances, end quote. Members of the public stepped forward at the Administrative Policies Committee meeting to share their thoughts, reflecting the conflicting feelings also expressed by businesses and local organizations. There's a strong feeling of, uh, among the businesses and, and, and our customers for um, concern for people that are on the street and, and poor and uh, struggling with mental health and, uh, and um, addiction issues. Um, but there's also challenges in, in the businesses. So, you know, some of the stories we heard are, are a restaurateur who, um, you know, had a walkout and he, went, and he went outside and tried to get the guy to pay and the guy took him by the collar of his shirt and threw him out onto the sidewalk. Um, uh, there's young women that are working and actually, you know, 28 and 30 year old women that are working in stores that are being intimidated by people. They're coming in and uh, they're shoplifting. They're just ignoring what's going on and they're scared. And there's lots of customers that are walking on Princess Street that are, are afraid and there's people that aren't coming anymore because they've experienced this. And you know, the, the experiences of uh, cities in, um, in the States, Portland, San Francisco, large corporations are closing um, huge stores that they've invested massively in and, um, and closing them because, you know, and, and some of the grocery stores are under lock and key. They're locking up ice cream 
and if you want to buy ice cream, you have to find a clerk and, and, and open it with a key. Um, you know, if, when it gets to um, that point, there's, there's no coming back. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, I think everybody recognizes that downtown is a huge asset for the community, and, and we don't want to get to the point where there's, there's no return. Um, and, and I fully recognize, and, and I think the Business Association recognizes, that this is not a, a silver bullet. It's, it's one small tool, um, as described by city staff. Um, it's going to be... Um, um, applied um, with you know compassion and and other tools are going to be used and, and and this is just one tool that might get used you know once every 10 situations and 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 even then it may help or it may not but um, you know if it can help in 10% uh, of the cases then it's better than it's doing now than what's happening now and um, as staff have indicated we're not um, you know, reinventing the wheel here. There's lots of municipalities that have a, a nuisance or a community um, standards bylaw. So I hope you can support this bylaw. My colleagues and I have faced verbal abuse, physical abuse. We've had to clear up a lot of garbage in our parking lot, needles, crack pipes. It's very difficult to move people when they've got their encampments and their shopping carts. It, it, very, and, and again, there's very few tools available to, to, our, to our bylaws officers to do it as well. And I think that, yes, this isn't going to solve, this isn't the solution to everything, but I think it's certainly going to be able to give our law enforcement bylaw officers and our police a bit more, uh, a bit more leverage to, 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 to make it a safer environment for those that live and work in the downtown. I was at the St Andrews meeting as well. Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Glenn and Councillor Rich for being there. I, I was, even though we've experienced some of these things ourselves, it was really quite shocking to to hear some of the things that, especially as 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 uh, Ed Smith said, you know, these, a lot of the people who work in retail are young young females, and they're it's it's dangerous when you're in a shop on your own and you've got no back door, and someone comes in and starts being abusive and and, and shouting and screaming. It, it's it's very intimidating and it's it's not fair i think we can do better than that and um i know that there's a lot of concern and a lot of outreach to those that have drug uh, who, who drug users and drug addicts and those who find themselves um in a in a situation where they they you know they they they're not living in in some sort of accommodation but I think we maybe think a little bit more about those who a bit more concerned for those people who are experiencing abuse and violence on, on a daily basis and those who quite frankly are scared to walk down Princess Street. You know, we're taking all these steps that make us seem like mean, nasty people. And I just, that's not what this city was when I first moved here. It's not what the city should aspire to be. And this bylaw, if we really want to do something, we need to hire mediators and social workers. We need to hire people who work on the street, not in uniforms of enforcement officers, but people who have training and interactions. And I know Mr. Smith said there was going to be training for his officers in different ways, but you can't take away that uniform. That's not what we need. We need safe places for people who don't have anywhere to go to go. We need bathrooms for people to use when they need to use a bathroom. And that's not just unhoused people. There are a lot of people who sometimes need to use a bathroom, but if they have money in their pocket, they can buy a coffee or a bottle of water and use the bathroom. 
That's not an option for some people. So let's be honest about the realities. And and the person who talked about someone being thrown on the sh on the street by someone who tried to not pay his bill or someone who's shoplifting, those are crimes. And as Ms. Morley said, our bylaw enforcement officers don't have a, the right to arrest for a crime. So really think about this for a minute. What what are you really trying to do? And if it's trying to make yourselves feel better by taking action on something, this bylaw is not the way to do it. Thank you. Councillor Glenn wrapped up the last discussion of the bylaw with a summary of her position. But the stories that I listened to, people being sexually assaulted, people being violently assaulted, these things have happened. Those stories weren't made up. And what about the trauma that they incur? Are they not worthy of being treated respectfully? Are they not worthy of not having to be scared? I think everybody in this community deserves good treatment. So um, I'm definitely voting in, in favor of this bylaw. Um, I'm going to echo, echo the sentiments of a couple of my other councillors about the fact that this applies to the entire city. So we've talked about the downtown. Sydenham is right at the edge of the downtown. But those behaviors are happening there, and they're not behaviors that are coming from people who are necessarily unhoused or vulnerable. We're seeing it. Um, we're seeing hate crimes, hate speech, um, all sorts of things that are happening that are just unconscionable. So we have behaviors going on that we need some remedy for. Uh, so by empowering our bylaw to be able to go and address things that remain otherwise unaddressed, I think is really important. This isn't about giving somebody unlimited power. Uh, as we've heard, it's not criminalizing people. The first step is going to be education and encouragement, then potentially fines if necessary. Uh, so it's another sort of tool that we have in our toolbox to create a positive, good community. Uh, so I'm going to support in favor of this. I think the fact that we're going to revisit this, have a look at the success, have a look at um, how it's implemented. I'm looking forward to the information report on the policies, and I think members of the public uh, should pay attention to that. So they're going to have a deeper understanding of how this is applied. Uh, that's a really important piece because what I heard was a lot of misunderstanding this evening and I hope that we can draw the community closer together by continuing to provide that education, by continuing to revisit this topic. It won't be the first time. Um, so work with us. Come forward with suggestions. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but we heard a lot of people criticize the bylaw, but they didn't provide suggestions on how to fix this. The social issues are deeper, bigger. We're not gonna to get to those quickly. This will help us along the way. To watch tonight's city council meeting where the bylaw will be decided upon, you can attend in person at City Hall or you can watch a live stream on the Kingston City Council YouTube channel at 7 p.m. tonight. Before we get into the new fundraising efforts for the Skeleton Park Press and our interview with Greg Tilson, director of the Skeleton Park Arts Fest, I'm gonna throw it to Chloe Paris with your CFRC weather and traffic report for Tuesday, November 21st. This is Chloe Paris coming in with your CFRC weather and traffic report for tonight. For your weather this evening, we're expecting periods of rain or possibly snow tonight with a low of plus four. Tomorrow, on Wednesday the 22nd, we'll start the day off with a mix of sun and clouds and a 60% chance of rain showers or flurry with a high of plus five. In the evening, there will be cloudy periods with a low of minus two. 
Be sure to tune in to CFRC's news programming tomorrow at 5 p.m. and Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to get your updated weather forecast for the rest of the week. For your weekly traffic report, to start us off here, we have a few road closures to look out for this week. For Brass Point Bridge, Parks Canada would like to advise the public of a bridge closure at the Brass Point Swing and Fixed Bridges until November 24th inclusive. The bridges are closed to vehicles and pedestrians, and detours will be held in place of the closure. Henderson Boulevard, from Chelsea to Renda, will be closed from November 22nd from 9am to 3pm for the installation of a transit shelter. Market Street, from Ontario to King, is closed on November 24th at 8am to November 25th at 2am for the Veneer Cub Fan Fest presented by Queen's University. Queen Mary Road from Notch Hill to Greenview is still closed for the Utilities Kingston NETS project. Finally, University Avenue from Union to Earl is still closed until December 22nd for the removal of debris from the demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Centre project. In other delays, Bath Road at Queen Mary expect delays for the Utilities Kingston NETS project. Bay Ridge Drive Woodbrine to Cataraqui Woods, expect delays until November 30th for Phase 1 of the Bay Ridge Drive Cycling and Pedestrian Improvements. Princess Street, Collins Bay to Bay Ridge, expect delays until November 30th for the construction of new sidewalks and traffic signals along Princess Street. Please note that one lane of traffic will be maintained in each direction of all times on Princess Street. Westbrook Road, Princess to Windermere, expect delays until November 24th for the construction of new sidewalks and road habilitation. Onto sidewalk and pathways, Rideau Trail, Queen Mary to Parkway is closed for crews to replace the sanitary main, install shoring, and build a new gravel pathway. That wraps up your weather and traffic report for Tuesday, November 21st. Now I'm throwing it back to Christina with your local news headlines. Thank you very much, Chloe. Next up, the Skeleton Press is in need of support, and the Skeleton Park Arts Fest team is launching their fundraising efforts with a concert featuring talented local artists Charlotte Cornfield and friends this Saturday, November 25th. The Skeleton Press is a quarterly paper serving the Skeleton Park neighborhood and surrounding area. I sat down with Greg Tilson, director of the Skeleton Park Arts Fest, to talk about the Skeleton Press and their fundraising efforts. I'm sitting down with Greg Tilson, artistic director of Skeleton Park Arts Fest here today to talk about their upcoming fundraiser to support the Skeleton Press. So uh, welcome back to CFRC, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, for those who haven't had the pleasure of reading, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about what folks can expect when they read the Skeleton Press and a bit about the background of the publication. Sure. So the Skeleton Press is a, a free neighborhood newspaper in the Skeleton Park area that is published by the Skeleton Park Arts Festival. Um, it it uh, distributes over 6,000 issues on a quarterly basis to the surrounding neighborhood and downtown, and there's different distribution points, you know, Novel Idea, uh, Kingston Community Credit Union, Home Base Housing, the Elm Cafe, like there's, there's lots of spots to pick one up, uh, in addition to the neighborhood receiving it door to door by Canada Post. But in answer to your question about, you know, what is it, um, it's, it's kind of a unique publication in that it's mostly written just by people that live in the neighborhood. Fortunately, there's a lot of great writers in this neighborhood. Um, also artists, illustrators, photographers. Um, you know, we're an arts neighborhood, an arts organization, so there's a lot of content about that and, and 
politics and neighborhood politics, but it's just a, a really fun way for um, sharing ideas, sharing stories, and also just kind of presenting like uh, a broad and diverse perspective of, of different people's voices in this area. Yeah, awesome. And getting right into the fundraising event, uh, which is what we're here to talk about today. I was wondering if you've fundraised specifically for the Skeleton Press before, or if this is a new initiative that's become a need recently. Yeah, thanks for that question. It It is, in general, a new need. And the reason is because this was a project that it was initiated um, back near the beginning of the pandemic. And so it was, um, like I said, a, a fun way to to uh, amplify the um, all of the different voices in the neighborhood, but also it was a way, a successful way of pivoting when we couldn't offer in-person programming. So now that we're back to in-person programming, um, the the funds are are now somewhat divided. Um, we also received additional funding during that time frame, um, as as many arts organizations had, just to 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 weather the storm of the pandemic. Um, however, it was so successful, and the neighborhood responded in just an incredibly supportive and positive way um, that we you know we want to keep it going, and so we're we're trying to you know find those new revenue streams without. Um, you know, resorting to ads, because that seems to be something that neighborhoods value um, without uh, charging a, a subscription fee. And so we're trying to take um, an approach whereby uh, what the, the financial support that we're seeking, we're calling friends of the skeleton press. And that's people who are, you know, in that position financially, who can go on our charitable website through the skeletonparkartsfest.ca uh, uh, website and join up for monthly donations so we're just you know so that the paper can continue to be written by and for the neighborhood but also be you know supported financially uh by that skeleton park arts festival community mm -hmm, absolutely and i was curious i guess i have the inside scoop with broadcasting but definitely none of the behind the scenes of a publication like the skeleton press what are some of the costs of the paper that the funds will help cover yeah i'm really glad you asked that people will want to know where their you know where their money's going and there's so many uh important causes out there to support right now um uh, but we, we you know we we are finding there's uh, just a desire to support uh, a neighborhood newspaper, a community grassroots newspaper like this, um, especially at this time where, you know, our sources to um, um, this kind of media are, are definitely um, not as accessible as they used to be. And um, yeah, so we, uh, in terms of our budget, and our expenses that we need help uh, covering with with people's donations, the main expenses are, you know, the creatives, right? The writers, the illustrators, the photographers. We pay union rates for our writers and market rates for our illustrators and photographers. Um, you know, editors, uh, other staff uh, associated with the project, and then the the cost for printing um, and distributing. Uh, so we encounter uh, significant quarterly fees to print uh, over six thousand copies. And also, you know, expenses like Canada Post who deliver the paper door to door. 
Well, thank you for that background there. And getting into the fun part, the event coming up. Yeah. So the headliner for the afternoon is Charlotte Cornfield. I was wondering, um, how did she get involved with this project? Yeah, she's, thank you. She's been, um, you know, uh, a supporter and and uh, kind of a, a, a artist participant in the festival for years. You know, she she's kind of one of these backbite popular demand artists. You know, she's performed at the festival. We've hosted her many times in different venues around town. And and she's she's done the matinee before and and you know the the matinee crowd especially the families they love her charlotte actually just had a baby she's probably bringing her baby (laughs) and so she uh we've written about her in the skeleton press you know she uh she has family just down the road in the county um yeah you know she's just she's just a a friend of of the skeleton park community but also super popular you know like (laughs) Her followers are are definitely on the rise. You know, she's covered in Rolling Stone. She's she's touring all over the place. Less so now that she has a baby, but yeah, she's just. I think she really. Um, uh, she's just so, so so such a lovely person, and people in the Skeleton Park community really love her music. So we thought it was a good fit. Yeah, definitely. That's gonna be awesome. And I saw also uh, it said and special guests. Would you like to share a bit about those performers, or will that be a surprise for next Saturday? <laughs> Oh yeah, well it's uh, you know it's just basically um, we want to warm up the stage for Charlotte. Um, you know we're in a the very fortunate position in terms of a fundraiser, right? Where um, a lot of the people that organize the festival and the newspaper uh, are also in a band called the Gertrudes. Oh yeah. <laughs> myself, so you know we're in that position where we're many of us are organizing the event anyway and. Mo, our, our singers, our lead, one of our lead singers is, uh, you know, she she's going to be emceeing, I think, you know, she usually emcees those concerts. And so, yeah, it's it's the, the same old crowd that you see at these concerts a lot, but uh, it won't be long. You know, the, the doors are at 1.30, Saturday, November 25th. It's by donation, you know, pay what you can. Um, uh, and uh, the the Gertrudes will play some you know a few tunes probably closer to two I I, spe- I I really encourage people to come early because it'll fill up and it's a first come first serve policy um and then Charlotte you know she'll go on shortly after that after we've warmed up the stage for her um but yeah the thing that's cool about this campaign is people that are in a financial position that can donate monthly you know kind of so we can expect that for all future issues that kind of ongoing revenue stream, we're going to give them the VIP treatment. So uh, they'll be allowed to uh, come backstage and, uh, and, you know, we'll have catering and, and, uh, the, and we'll also acknowledge them on page two of the, the Skeldon Press Future Issues and, you know, include them at other events in that like VIP status. And it's just, it's just, you know, we want to make people feel part of it and, people that that have the privilege to contribute in that way we want them to you know be part of the the social scene that is the skeleton press and that is the skeleton park arts festival yeah amazing well looking forward to november 25th and i guess uh, just so our listeners though for those interested it's pretty easy to stumble across a copy of the skeleton press i think here in kingston uh but if you can't wait you can i believe you can look at past issues on skeletonparkartsfest.ca there's we we often as uh, as I think you noted before we started the interview there are often a few copies at CFRC radio That's true. you can stop by on campus Union Gallery often carries it um, but yeah maybe for for students that are listening 
Um, if you're downtown, like Novel ID usually has a big stack of the papers mm -hmm. and again, quarterly. So we just published our fall issue and uh, hopefully if all this goes well with fundraising, you'll see a winter issue and spring issue as well. Good stuff. And uh, are there any other places folks should be aware of to keep up with SPAF and uh, support all the wonderful things you do? Yeah, th thanks. I think, um, you know, the, the newspaper is a source of information and um, our web site, Skeleton Park Arts Fest that you that you mentioned, and there's an opportunity to donate on that site. And, um, you know, our socials, of course, Facebook and Instagram. And, and um, you know, I think for, for students, especially that are new to town, um, we're just north of downtown. McBurney Park is another name for Skeleton Park. And, you know, we just had a big Halloween parade there. There'll be another one of those at Easter. And, uh, you know, next church, 89 Colburn Street is just around the corner from the park. And so, yeah, it's it's a pretty welcoming neighborhood. And, and I hope people that are new to Queens and new to Kingston can, can connect with us in the future. Once again, that was Greg Tilson, director of the Skeleton Park Arts Fest, on the upcoming fundraising concert this Saturday to support the Skeleton Press. Be sure to attend on Saturday at Next Church, that's 89 Colburn Street. Doors open at 1.30pm, with music kicking off at 2pm and entry by donation. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What a Lie Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. To hear more from CFRC's news team, be sure to tune in at 5 p.m. tomorrow for Today in YGK or head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.